I didn't want to be perfect, but I wanted my parents to be proud of me all the time. And that that led into relationships that I wanted to be the person that they wanted me to be all the time until I realized that I don't want to be this person anymore. This is The Playbook. This is David Meltzer here live at the Win in the lobby at the Blue Wire Studios, which it's been told to me many, many times, Jody Bauer, that this is the nicest studio that people have been in. And I've had the biggest and the best in here like you. And uh, you, again, have complimented the studios here at the Win. I'm David Meltzer here with Entrepreneurs the Playbook and just another unique player of the playbook. Uh, Jody, what I love about you, your brand, your podcast, uh, is the authenticity, but I don't like that word anymore because it's so overused. I agree. So I'm going to use a different word, word that we'll start our conversation about, and it's frequency. And a frequency determines your neighborhood. And the frequency, I think, is much bigger than just being authentic. It's understanding your essence, amplifying it, strengthening it, owning it, and you exemplify frequency to me. I think there's a lot yeah. of people that are authentic and, you know, you could be uh, negative and be authentic, right? authentically the same. And that's your essence, but a frequency like yours is hard to find and it changes the way that we see you and the meaning that we give you. And, you know, how important is it for you uh, that word frequency more than even authentic, even though it's in the title of your podcast fearlessly authentic i'm thinking fearlessly frequently <laughs> frequency well, you know what it's funny because when i created the podcast and came up with that name it was because i was always a scaredy cat so it was very important for me to finally feel that i was being that person living in my truth and being that person all the time but it is a word that's overused like empowerment I just, you know, I've been around for a long, long time, and I've been empowering people without ever using that word before. I've been educating. I've been inspiring. And those words are overused, so I'm glad you pointed that out. Frequency, I love that word. We talked about it when you were on my show. And I think about that often as that I want to vibrate at the highest frequency that I can because that is where we find our happiness and fulfillment, most importantly, for me. I have a question I you know, really have been dying to ask you because I find people who find themselves, find their essence, feel confident in it, were afraid for a part of their life, if not all of their life or a majority of their life. It's something that I see in even some of my kids because it's energetically and genetically inherited in my family, and that's being a pleaser. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think... They somehow go hand in hand, and I'm constantly trying to reconcile wanting you know, to be loved, wanting to please people, mm-hmm. uh, created a lot of uh, frequencies that were interfering with my truth or my essence, and I'm going to use this word, I wasn't authentic mm-hmm. because I was trying to please everyone. Story of my life. Story of my life. I'm the oldest of three. Um, I wanted to be... I didn't want to be perfect, but I wanted my parents to be proud of me all the time. And that that led into relationships, um, that I wanted to be the person that they wanted me to be all the time until I realized that at my 38, 39 years old, married for 15, 16 years, I don't want to be this person anymore. 
I had two daughters, they were young, and I wanted to provide them with a different female role model than what they were seeing in the relationship. And I was old enough to realize that I can't always please everybody all the time. So that was something I struggled with all the time and still do sometimes, but I stop myself. And I'm old enough and I've been around the block enough to know that I can't do it. And it's really not on me anymore to, to make other people happy. And I know there's stories that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you and I have a lot of similarities in our personality. And I've been around a long time as well and have learned from that journey. And I learn more and more from it now because I look for it. Right. Uh, I try to identify what interferes with my belief system uh, by saying, okay, why do I feel this way? And then identify clues on why I feel that way and then look for patterns and then I make choices to change. And, you know, what are some of the stories, you know, I have three young daughters and I can see them telling themselves stories Mm -hmm. and I can't tell them a different story that they're going to believe or change them in any way. I know that. So it's nice if they are listening as other young women, especially, what were some of the stories that you told yourself early on that interfered with your potential? That's a big question. For a little lady. (laughs) I always felt that I needed to be more than I was. That interfered with my growth a lot. I went to a women's college, and when I was in high school, I was the pretty cheerleader. I dated the captain of the football team. What's that? (laughs) Were you a flyer? We didn't do that. We weren't allowed to do that. But (laughs) we were not. But I probably would have. My daughters are all built like you, right? So they're flyers. Yeah, they're flyers, right? Yeah, I wish I I would have (laughs) known. Like, there's a perfect body type to be a flyer. It's you. Yeah, but you could have been a cheerleader. (laughs) I could have. But once again, when right we were young, that they weren't flying. Interfere, (laughs) right? And they we were flying. So I I realized that you know I went to college and I think. I put myself in that situation to rise above whatever was interfering with me being feeling like I wasn't enough. So I was put in a school, you know, I applied there, I got in, and all of these women were smarter, prettier, more athletic. And I thought, you know, you've been kind of coasting on this pretty cheerleader thing. And I was a good student. I wasn't A+. Plus. I was a good, solid B-plus student yeah. with lots of activities. Extracurricular. Extracurricular <laughs> right, activities, right. exactly. <laughs> Those counted back then, you guys. Right. And now they don't care. So I had to, I started really working on myself so I wouldn't stop letting those negative feelings interfere with anything. If anything, all of those women I went to school with inspired me. And that helped to build my confidence because we know that like, if we hold ourselves accountable, make that commitment to ourselves, then we are going to feel more confident the next time we try to do something. So that was probably the biggest one was that I didn't feel that I was enough to be the best. And as we get older, age becomes an issue. Yes. Um, I think especially for women. And I find the conversation, my wife's 54 years old, and I find the conversations with her and her friends. That's a tough age, 54. Right, are around you know, what time has done to the way they see themselves. So here's the funny thing. I've trained women from 25 to 70. And I see the women postpartum working on themselves, wanting to get back to that shape they were before they had babies. In the 40s, they're like, 
Yep. Mm -hmm. I got this. Yep. Got it. Got it. Got it. I'm in shape. I'm cool. And I'm just like waiting for them to hit like 48, 49 and go, what's going on now? Because they're hitting premenopause, right. perimenopause. In the 50s, they, it's just a very, very tough time because they're fighting that menopausal time. They don't know what's going on. It's like going through adolescence. Right. But at, at an older age. And by the time you get to my age at 61, you're like, been, been there, done that. It's actually a really good place to be right now in my 60s. But the 50s are very transformational. So if your wife has any questions, tell her to text me. Oh, she has lot, lot, lots of questions that I hear them all the it's, time. It's a really, I think that decade is very, very transformational. And you could either decide to give up. Which a lot of her friends have done. And she gets pissed at them. Like, right. why have you given up? Right. She, and she refuses to, although she will say, Dave, I look at some foods and I gain more weight from looking at totally. it than from I used to eat them. Right. She's absolutely right because she probably was able to eat anything she oh, wanted sure. until she was 50. Yeah. yeah. Me too. And she's absolutely gorgeous still today. And she sees things in herself that I, I'm married to her and more attracted to her today than I've ever been. But, that. you know, it, it's funny because I will get caught in her perception sometimes. And she'll say, what are you looking at? Right. And I'm like, well, we all do that. Uh, my hot wife. She's like, no, really. I saw you looking at my stomach. I'm like. Yeah, my hot wife, and yeah, I'm looking at all of you. Oh, you're so, so nice. You know, like, and but yet I I see it the same as a teenage girl has certain things, like you said, that are difficult through puberty. Yes. Um, that they do, and why is it that we haven't got past for women with all the inclusion and equity, et cetera, mm -hmm. women themselves putting such a value or a stigma on you know weight, especially. Uh, for I example? Think, well, I think it's because of the media. I hate to sound like that person. Social media now so, more than the old media. painted pictures in magazines? Yes, I do. But I think still, you know, when you go back and you think about Marilyn Monroe and you think about the... That the, darn Christy Brinkley. Yeah. Yeah, Christy <laughs> Brinkley. I, I remember thinking, I'm never going to look like Christy Brinkley. And now she's Brinkley. 60 something. It's right. still that and darn strict still, Christy. She still looks stunning. Yeah. But I think it really does have to do with social media, the perception they put out, and this level that women think they need to reach. But going back to the 50s again, there's nobody really talking about, you know, you've got J-Lo talking about, you know, being 51, 52 years old, um, but like a normal person yeah. talking about being in their 50s and how sucky it is to go through menopause. And so women don't know where to go, and I hope that I'm that voice. They don't know where to go. And... It, it saddens me because everybody tries to hold themselves up to people that are not attainable. You know, they can't reach those goals. And then they feel bad about themselves. Then they give up. Yeah. So if I can get my voice out there, that's why I tried out for Sports Illustrated. That's why I did all those things to give women that voice to say it's, it's never too late. We hear that all the time. It's like blah, blah, blah. Nobody hears those words. But you also have to be disciplined. You have to decide what's important to you, what's a priority. I know working out is important to you. It's important to me. So what are your priorities? I think women have to ask them, themselves that question also. And I think the type of workout, especially on the other side for men uh, who maybe played college sports or at least high school sports, and there's a certain type of workout that either gained strength or size. 
And it took me, I think, a decade to say, why am I working out this way? Mm -hmm. Right? I should focus in on stretching much more than I can bench over 250 You don't pounds. need to do that now. <laughs> right. right. No you don't need me. to do that now. Hopefully no one's going to hit no, me No, you anymore. have a lot of muscle on you, <laughs> right, right? You already have that muscle yeah. on you. You're not going to lose it. I tell people that the muscle you gain now that we worked on, you and I worked on, in our 30s, in our 20s, and even in our 40s, nobody's ever taken that away from us. We built that muscle. Nobody's taking it away from us as long as we continue to work out. But my workouts have changed tremendously. I used to, I could still lift heavy, but I lift maybe three times a week instead of five to six times a yeah. week. Yeah, I was a six. I still hate car I still hate cardio. I've learned to love cardio, so that's in the Tabata and HIT training is my gig. It's amazing. I'm a time freak. Tabata's um, great. Four but, minutes, in and out, boom, you're done. And the best thing about COVID for me, which changed a lot of 50 and 60-year-olds in this realm, was that I was forced to run mm. because everything shut down at first. Right. And the equipment that I wanted to put into my home gym in my huge garage wasn't available. You know, I wanted the C2 rower. Right. I, I think rowing is a rowing fantastic is thing. And it's so easy to do, but I think there was a nine-month wait. And so I literally put on running shoes. How'd and that feel? It hurt bad. bad. I, <laughs> right. I, I didn't like it at first at all. And luckily I had I Wayne Dyer in my ears at mm -hmm. first. It wasn't even music. I now run with music. Yeah. Because I always worked out to Wayne Dyer. Okay. Weights-wise. Right. And I always did 20 minutes of cardio on the elliptical or the bike. And so I had to order the Peloton. I had to order the thing. Right. But I hit the road, and especially at the beach, and I learned, like anything else, I always say, one day is a mistake when you're not doing what you want to do, but two days begins a new habit. I created a new habit for myself, and right. I had this saying when I got up to run, and I, I probably overran because the only thing I really could do in the, in the time, but I remember this motto that changed my life, first five minutes suck. I think running is in my life. Like I, I didn't feel this way about all exercise. Like I'd be excited to go to the gym about a lot of it, but I still today sometimes get up to run, and I'm like, Dave, just remember, first five minutes sucked. <laughs> you know what? I say the same thing to myself when I don't want to do something. If I get on the elliptical or even on the Peloton, I say the same thing. Like, this sucks. This just sucks. <laughs> yeah. And then after five minutes, you're like, those endorphins are being released. You're like, happy. You're there. I'm like, what? Why did I say this sucked? Yeah. And then you finish and you're like, yes. Well, in that point there, because you're 61. Yes. Like, I always have to ask because you look so young and... Several of my younger boys are like in love with you. And when I tell them how old you are, they're like, come Thank on. You. They're like, but I, I love the fact that you and I have worked out for years and years and years, right? You were the cheerleader. I was the football player right. and all. And so we just stuck with it years and years. And our body types have changed over the years right. from what we wanted. But I've never finished a workout and said, I wish I didn't do it. Right. You'll never regret working out, but you'll regret not working out. All day long. All day long. Yeah. Now, the other component I find funny is your challenge to feel better naked. Mm. Um, and being naked is an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. I no problem taking my shirt off uh, when I was younger. Like, it wouldn't even cross my mind to jump in a pool. And I'm 54 years old, and I'm at the Montage or the resorts I'm speaking at, and my son wants to go in the pool. And my first thought is look around, right? Like, you know, uh... You know, and, and I see women the same way, right. uh, and let alone naked. I mean, this is just shirt off. Right, right. right? But two-piece bikinis, which right. you're a champion of. Right. Um, 
how do we get into the mindset that the only thing this is my mindset the only thing people are looking at when i take my shirt off or worrying about is i wonder what people think of what i look like no, <laughs> they're not like look at that guy it's, nobody cares <laughs> right it's very very hard to it, it's about being vulnerable and that's where the training comes in it's being it's the naked is the vulnerability it's the courage to be vulnerable and to be naked with yourself you don't actually have to take your clothes off right but to have that mindset of going to the pool taking your shirt off i think it has to do with confidence yeah. and you know you're getting in the pool to be with your son not for to have all these women Stare check at you me. out because <laughs> you know your wife digs you she's right. in love with you she's going to think you're the hottest guy there anyway and even if she doesn't and even if she doesn't it's still cool right well, i think that's a, a big thing because it took me a long time to realize that my wife does not think I'm the hottest looking man in the world. Yes, she does. And, but she finds me most attractive. Mm -hmm. uh, right? Because. And why does she think that? Because of who I am. Right. And she likes the way I look and she's attracted to the way I look. Um, but she, she wouldn't put me up onto a competition and say the world's most <laughs> handsome Man, to her, I am, but it's the overall package. Right. It's not that I have the greatest abs uh, ever, which I made, by the way, when I was 24. I I'd put did. my abs up there. But it's interesting because there's so much to what we're looking for in our spouses and what we're looking for in ourselves. And one of the things that really comes across in you, the podcast, all the things that you do is learning to love you. Mm -hmm. And how do we learn to love ourselves? It's one thing about working on and being healthy, but there's this mindset. I've met people that may not be in the best shape in the world, but man, when they walk around the pool, right. that you, you could just tell that they love themselves and there's something about it that attracts me to them. I'm like, wow, what a beautiful woman. And, and they don't look like Christy Brinkley no. at 61. It's the way their essence is, their frequency. It's right, and it's that... the. I go back to the confidence a lot because I think that if you do find, if you have spent the time working on yourself, your inner self, and understanding why you do, why you say, what's important to you, and owning that, that that, that leads to confidence. And that confidence is just the most beautiful thing somebody could wear. I, I think it's the sexiest thing anybody could wear. And that's what the essence of a human being is. You're not just attracted to what they look like on the outside. We really actually don't really care that much about what they look like because the most beautiful human beings could be the ugliest human beings also. So I think it really has to do with just really owning. I mean, Billy Joel was married to Christy Brinkley. Right. So there you go. <laughs> I, I, right. Like, look at him physically. Sorry, Billy. Yeah, exactly. But you're not the most attractive looking man in the world. But there's clearly something about him that women dig. Hey. Yeah. You know, so I really think that's what it is, because I see the same kind of men walking around here and they just have, you know, a confidence about them. They they walk around, their chest is open, not in a cocky way, but in a confident way. And you're like, oh, I want to meet that person. What is that person have to say versus, you know, the hot guy looking at himself all the time? Right. To me, that's a huge turnoff. And I, I don't think it has to do with my age. I think a lot of women look. My daughters are 29 and 33. Of course, they like good-looking They're men. even too old for Jake. <laughs> <laughs> and they, you know, they, they, everybody wants to be with the hot guy, the good-looking guy, the fit guy, the smart guy. 
but you have to look into their heart. They're learning that. Um, yeah. Because really good-looking guys sometimes really, really suck. Yeah, well, they've uh, created a bunch of resistance as so well. So I think the loving yourself really needs to come from the work that you do Practice. on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Last question, vulnerability. Um, it's different for men and women. And as someone who speaks a lot and cries a lot, I consider crying a perspiration. I tell my wife all the time, I was like, look, if you're too hot, you perspire. When you get too emotional, good or bad, happy or sad, for me, crying is what let, lets it out. It puts right. me back to equilibrium. Um, but I find it interesting that I do get emotional in being honest with myself and others with some really hard things that have happened in my life as other people. And they'll say, oh my gosh, David Meltzer, he's so courageous. He's so courageous for being vulnerable. And yet I know a lot of women like yourself that if you were on a stage talking about your authenticity and illuminating your life in the struggles and in lessons that they, and you cried or, or showed emotion, it, you'd be weak. The exact opposite of what I am when right. I'm being vulnerable. Um, why do you think that is true? Because it's, it's hard for me because I don't see it as a weakness, maybe because I cry, but I see it a lot. They'll, they'll tell me how courageous it is. I get, I get that too. I don't, really, I don't really see it as a weakness. You're saying that you think people feel that it is I've a weakness. I've seen people say, oh, she's crying. I think if somebody is too much of an overcrier without it feeling Authentic. really authentic, really feeling, you can tell when someone's a fake crier, right? Yeah, yeah. or overcrier, like or you said, it's like overselling. Yes, yeah. yes, you can tell when it's fake. I could smell BS fake a mile away. So I think that, the I, I, I'm on the same page as you, the crying, I, I, I do see it as courageous, but I, I think what I'm understanding is that I don't look at it when I cry, I don't feel like I'm being courageous. It's just that I have so much emotion coming from that place when I talk about certain things that I've done that were really hard and scary for me, um, that it does bring up that emotion. And, and if it inspires other people to feel courageous enough to sh share their emotions, that's great. But I just think we just have to keep being ourselves. And if we inspire others then to be better, humans than they already are to, you know, hang out at that frequency up here, then that's a great place to leave them. And you really resonate with me because you believe you're happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy, and you're on a journey to figure out what you're doing to interfere with it the same as I am. And in fact, later on in life, I went to therapy for some of the trauma that I suffered from the time I was a young boy and thought that it never affected me. And right. as I realized it did, but it was interesting because I actually asked my therapist, I said, so, you know, if I get healed from this, you know, event when I was nine and got molested, am I not going to be in touch with my emotions? Like, I love the way that I feel myself right. and, and my audience feels me, Yeah. right? That I'm just being me. And if I talk about my mom, am I not going to feel that intense gratitude Yes. That chokes me up while I'm thinking about it right now. That's real to me. Is this going to, this healing, and he actually said absolutely the opposite. He said, you already are blessed because you haven't allowed some of these things to interfere with the truth. And all I'm going to do is clear the way for more of the truth so you can be a bigger and better person. 
for you, you've had trauma in your life as well, and you help people with theirs to make their selves better, their potential. Um, do you feel that the way that I do? I do. I do. And losing my mom a couple of months ago, I kept thinking, like, am I, and I want to keep feeling, not just the fact that I, I miss her, but all the other things while I was growing up, things that as an adult now I realize happened to me growing up, going through a divorce, um, being a single mom, trying to figure out who the heck I wanted to be in my 40s. I, will, I'll, I don't think I'll ever have anything figured out. So I do, and I completely feel the same way you do. I don't want to feel, I don't want to stop feeling. Yeah. Because then I... I, I, I don't even know what it would be like to not feel. I don't want to lose that feeling of not feeling. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, and you help other people maintain and grow that feeling of feeling and feeling better, most importantly, about themselves. And when you talk about, you know, like we talked about, fearlessly being authentic or, uh, as you say, being naked, um, those are two things that we all can do, men or women, by the way. Um, but I wanted to thank you for coming all this way to the wind, joining me, being so wonderful, vulnerable, and beautiful as your own essence. And the frequency to be in my neighborhood uh, is a blessing. My honor to be here. So nice to meet you in real life. In real life. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. You're as wonderful in real life as you are virtually. I'm blessed to be here with the incredible Jody Bauer here in the lobby of the wind at the Blue Wire Studios.